Hey folks, it's Sir Richard Wentworth. When you're ready to buy a car, True Car is changing car buying forever. Yes, True Car helps buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Every day, True Car users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings, and True Car users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these 3 easy steps. First, Download the True Car mobile app or go to truecar.com to find out what others paid for the car you want. Then register to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Take your guaranteed savings certificate to the True Car certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. With True Car, you can save time, save money, and never overpay. To see how much you can save on the car you want, simply download the True Car mobile app or visit truecar.com today. Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, AfterBuzzers. Welcome to AfterBuzz TV to another AfterBuzz show for girls. Season 4, Episode 4, Cubbies. I am your host, Miriam Gonzalez, and joining me are my fabulous co-hosts to my left, starting with... Hi, guys. Spicy Mati in the building. And next to me, we have... Autumn Chickless. Hey, guys. How you doing? And tonight's episode... I mean, Iowa just keeps getting more and more interesting. <laughs> you can say that. Is that how you used to describe it? Interesting? Um, I guess less and less interesting less and less. to her. <laughs> well, as we see, once again, Hannah makes it all about her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's confronted by her classmates because she makes it all about her. She, we yeah. see that she just can't... Um, she's not really hacking writing school. It's not her, her... She's not vibing with it, or it's not vibing with her. I'm waiting to see what is going to be the final hint that maybe it's not everyone else, it's her. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen with all these episodes, and I mentioned this last time that we were here, every single episode she is getting kind of pounded by life. But she says, oh, no, 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 it's not me, obviously, it's everyone else who's attacking me. And at one point is she going to make the realization, oh, wait... Maybe the common denominator here is the fact that I'm doing something wrong, not that the world is crazy and I'm not. This is Hannah. That's no, never going to happen. At some point, you have to grow up, though. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like there's no character progression <laughs> at all. And it's just because, I, mean, I was just, like, you know, saying just a second ago, I'm getting annoyed by every single person on this show now. And this is one of my favorite shows. But it's annoying when you don't see any growth whatsoever. And now she's in graduate school. She got into an amazing program. And here she is once again making excuses for her lack of. And it, whether it's her, it, she's blaming her writing on everybody else, saying it's their energy and the mm-hmm. reason that they're hating on her that she can't write right now. Well, we see that, which by the way, Elijah is sitting there doing his 
turning fat kids was it fat kids turning to sluts? Fat kids into sluts, yes. I was like, what is he doing at the table? <laughs> he obviously has parlayed his trip to Iowa and crashing at Hannah's into something interesting. And I like how he, she's like, but don't they need releases? He's like, they don't know what releases are in Iowa. But, you know, it's the fact that he points out, well, you know, your story about Thin Mints was great. It was about willpower. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> is that all you can come up with to write it out as Thin Mints? Is that all there is in the world that you can get creative about? And, of course, people are not going to take you seriously if that's what you're writing about. Yeah, and more to the point, not only was all she writing about was Thin Mints, because I'm sure there's a metaphor in there that is, it can be really interesting, I mean, somewhere. But, um, <laughs> I I mean, know, but the point is that she... The issue is less her writing and more the fact that she was so aggressive towards everyone else in the program, and she doesn't even have the support to back it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if she was talking, if she was crazy arrogant and talking about what is wrong with everyone else's writing, and then was producing like this genius, amazing work, work mm-hmm. then maybe so- then it would be frustrating for another reason because then it would be like, damn it, I want to like prove you wrong, but here you are creating all of this incredible, uh, all of this incredible work, but she doesn't have the foundation to support all of her accusations. No. She's giving mediocre work and then she's giving backhanded apologies. And it's funny because when they're sitting there and they're they're like, okay, we've got this letter in our cubby. And she's like, okay, I admit it. I signed it. I'm the one that wrote the letter. Because the one guy, um, I forget his name, was like, I was, you know, camping with my fraternity. All right. (laughs) um, Which I think is cute. she, She admits that she wrote this letter and everyone is not happy about it. It, They're not happy with this letter that she had written because it was aggressive. It was um, attacking on their critiques because this is a workshop where you are being critiqued on the work that you're doing. And when you're bringing, like I said, mediocre work into this, it's like her skin isn't thick enough. It, It has never been. Well, she's always, once again, defensive. Like, she can't take any constructive criticism. And so she's able to criticize every single person. And then, like Logan said, this is hate mail. Like, this is a hate letter. And really, that's just Anna, or Hannah, I'm sorry, (laughs) expressing (laughs) herself to everybody else, but once again, putting the blame on everybody else in order to, I guess, derail attention from the fact that she's not creating any good work. Not even her letter. Even her letter had grammatical errors, they were saying. (laughs) I think that's a run-on sentence. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm going to point out themes, because I love pointing out themes, and it's something that I think the show's really great with. Um... I think one of the major overarching themes was a uh, feedback and constructive criticism. You used the term constructive mm-hmm. criticism mm-hmm. because you had shows sh- earlier to asking for the first thing she does is ask for criticism. Um, who was it? Well, um, Marnie was asking for criticism with her song. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that we saw throughout the entire episode and throughout the show, obviously, is people ask for criticism and everyone complains about how no one's being helpful everyone's just being mean but the question becomes that won't you asked for criticism right you know ever everyone i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is how much do you mean it when you say i really want your opinion if it's not going to be the opinion you necessarily want to hear I think that's a great question. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, nobody really wants the truth. And I think that, but I mean, one thing that they were all getting was criticism, but it, it wasn't constructive. That's and true. And so yeah. it was criticism, yes, but 
constructive criticism means, hey, I'm not crazy about this song, but what you could do is change the hook like this, yeah. or maybe add this verse, or let me hear your voice over the track more. I mean, they weren't, they were just saying, this is awful, I need to hear it a million times, and then it'll be a hit. <laughs> and, <really> then, <laughs> and then as far as Shoshana asking, can I get some criticism so that I can interview better, the lady went through a list of things that she needed to, or things that she did not well, but not how she could improve those things. So nobody yeah. really got the construction. They just got the criticism. The criticism, yeah, which is always brutal. And Hannah's just not liked. So no, they're not going to give her constructive criticism. No, they're She's absolutely. just not liked or well-received. No, they're not going to give her um, anything to help her improve in her, her game. And, you know, the truth of the matter is when it came to someone like Trishana giving, you know, getting that constructive criticism when she said, you know, what is wrong with me? Huh. I mean, she starts telling her, well, you came about it this way. You were approaching this in this manner. Um, and then, you know, what did she say You're to her? You're analytical. You don't have leadership. Um, and then there was player. one specific thing that she said. She goes, you lack sensitivity. And she goes, yeah, you know, by the way, that necklace just really isn't working for you. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. At that point, it's like, I can't give you any more constructive criticism because you are going to continue to insult me. And mm-hmm. therefore, how can I help you grow or help you move on to the next in- interview or the next venture if that's mm-hmm. all you're going to do is counteract with an attack? Mm-hmm. Back to themes. Um, I mentioned this last week, too. Growth is a big one. I mm-hmm. talk a lot about with this show particularly. Um, and I think it's actually really poignant with my generation and the generation uh you know, the, the years right above me mm-hmm. is entitlement, growth, and, um, well, I mean, I could, there are actually a number of things, but the three that we were <laughs> just talking about, entitlement, growth, and, I guess, the inability to take criticism and everyone feels entitled to excellence without actually working for it. Yeah. Um, what I find so interesting is the fact that I feel like we are at a crossroads, and I said this last week, too, um, where these characters either have to finally start moving forward as people hmm. or some of them are going to move forward and others are going to regress and we're going to see how that affects their friendship. But they've reached a point of stagnation and kind of an arrested state of development and they need to become people now. Because being in your 20s, of course, everyone goes, oh my God, I like ate Cheetos for like three days and watched Netflix. What am I doing with my life? And like that's the whole joke and like the Tumblr joke. But at a certain point when you kind of look at the Cheetos all over your pants and go, you know what? I kind of need a job now. I need to like be an adult. So I'm really curious to see when that's going to happen for at least some of them. I mean, not even that. Just for us as an audience, we need that because it's becoming redundant. Like, we get it. Okay, you guys aren't doing very well musically, financially, career-wise. What else? Somebody needs to do something and do it well. Like, somebody has to achieve a goal or something. No, and we see, like, with Hannah that she's trying to find an escape and a way out. Sub, You know, um, I think... um, you know, subconsciously or unsubconsciously, she's trying to find a way out of the situation. And I think she's trying to sabotage it without realizing it. Mm-hmm. By putting out that letter in everyone's cubby, it was like, okay, well, how can I get out of this situation in a roundabout way? And, you know, once everyone starts criticizing her and, and you know, she starts throwing the paper and, you know, of course, the, the, the fraternity guy who... All, gets a little dramatic about the situation. Huh. I feel like extremely out of place here, uncomfortable here, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, she gets asked by the teacher to stay behind mm-hmm. so they can discuss what's going on with her 
choice of being in the program. Now, at that point, she says to the, you know, Hannah says to the teacher, she's like, you know, am I being kicked out of here? And the teacher's like, no, you're not being kicked out. The only way that you can get kicked out is if you were extremely, extremely violent with another student. And we are all adults here. You know, for you to leave, that would be a personal choice or an extreme violent situation, which... I don't know. We'll get a prediction on that one. Anything can happen. Throwing paper at somebody's face, though. I'm sorry. That was violent. That, that, <laughs> that, that was pretty that was, violent. It was and she violent. could have got slapped for that in the real world. But yeah. go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, we see that Hannah has a moment where she's like, she finds, she's like, I thought you were going to kick me out. And I've, I had a moment where I was going to feel extremely happy. So she's trying to find a way out of the situation in a roundabout yeah. way. She's, she's trying to self-sabotage. But that, I think that speaks to her immaturity once again, is that she isn't making any effort. She's not putting forth the work right. that it takes to be well at anything in life. So she's a quitter. She's she's trying to well, this is what I mean get by, expelled so that she doesn't have to be a quitter, but that's exactly what right. she is. This is what I mean by kind of the expectation and the entitlement to excellence is when I, I find this so often, actually, when people uh, feel like they're not doing well, the first thing that they do is try to, uh, or in a lot of cases, um, kind of pin it on someone else to pin it back on them so that they don't have to either work harder or I don't know how exactly to articulate this but my point is that so often in these kinds of situations and with people like Hannah if I if I may generalize for a second they it's almost like they're afraid of their own success. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It's all fear-based. It's the mm-hmm. fact that um, she doesn't know how to write anything beyond just mediocre, simple things. Like, okay, in Hannah's world, it's about simplicity. It's about not even simplicity. It's about uh, basic, generic crap. It's like, um, okay, what, what I'm surrounded by right now is this mug, this pen, and this piece of paper. So that's what I'm going to write about right now. Um, a box of Thin Mints. That's what I'm going to write about. I'm hungry. I have to eat every two hours, and Thin Mints are in front of me. That I, don't, I shouldn't eat them because I'm going to get chunky, so I'm going to have willpower. That's my story. And then she, she ended up eating the Thin Mints. <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't see beyond that. She's not, she's, her, she's too fearful as far as getting more any more creative beyond that point and she's being called out by her classmates and these these people in her workshop as a result of it she has all the ability to be creative and we saw that mm-hmm. when she was working at um, Esquire magazine right? right was it Esquire magazine um, you know we saw that when she got picked up to do the book it's like she has the capability but there's it's very fear-based mm-hmm. and and why she's not doing that and we see that when she's sitting with her dad at dinner she she's like I'm afraid to make the wrong decision she's scared I'm making the wrong decision and her dad simply points out to her, he's like, you know what, you know, sometimes it's the stupid decisions that, you know, make that are the right decisions. It's the ones that you you think are absolutely wrong. You're like, okay, I shouldn't go and jump off a cliff. Well, I wouldn't say jump off a cliff, but, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't t- hop on that. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> Definitely don't jump off a cliff. But you're like, I shouldn't hop on that plane and take the risk and, and you know, move to L.A. to become an actress. Or, mm-hmm. you know, go to New York and, and take that chance and, and be the account executive. On Wall Street, or whatever the case may be, like, right. or move to Iowa and and take that writing program, but you know she takes that risk and then she doesn't know where to to go to the next mm-hmm. step on that, and because she's holding on to that fear, it's it's. It's paralyzed. almost paralyzed. Yeah, she's paralyzed. She's absolutely paralyzed, and it's affecting her her next steps. And you know, I 
And it's funny when you said her dad has like the worst parenting yes, skills. Yes, I'm like listening to you, and I'm like, but it was an awful, awful it advice that he so was giving funny. her. He he was also saying the thing because in a way, like when you were the way you were phrasing it, yeah, I buy that. I buy the sometime because what you the way you're phrasing it, what you're saying is sometimes you need to do something that feels crazy. Sometimes because, a leap of faith. Yeah, it's a leap, a more risk. like a leap of faith. Yeah. He said something along the lines of sometimes the stupid decision is the right decision for you. And even in certain contexts, I can buy that. But he was pretty much encouraging her Mm -hmm. to drop out of this program. I mean, he didn't. He didn't say that. I feel like he was making it okay for her to quit. Yeah, that's he was. More of the he was. I feel like coddling her, like she always is. And if if you remember correctly, when she originally wanted to sign up for the program, he was the one who said, "No, you don't really need to do this program." And her mom was like, "Like hell, she doesn't. She's getting into this program." Mm-hmm. And so he never was fully on board with the program, anyways. And I just feel like. She has no direction, and yeah. her father, who she is venting to, isn't the voice of reason right now giving her that. She needs some hardcore, yeah, you know, shape part. up. You're wasting, you know, this tuition money, and you have an amazing education in front of you, and you're not taking advantage of it. Like, she needs some mm-hmm. hardcore advice, and he's just being very vague in general and, you know, follow your heart's desire. And I don't think that Hannah's the kind of person who can be left up to interpretation when it comes to right. advice. She needs hardcore Direction, Especially when follow your heart's desire. I totally get that. I mean, follow your heart's desire, that's to be a writer, right? That's your ultimate heart's desire. So there's a balance when following, to get to your dreams, sometimes you need to do some things that you don't necessarily want to be doing right at this moment. I mean, how many times is the, if the road to, or the house of success, if you will, for kind of throwing <laughs> metaphors, is all the way down the road, sometimes, you know, there's a time in between then and, it doesn't always, it's not always what you want to be doing right then and now, but if it's going to push you further towards that goal, sometimes you need the discipline. She's uh, flaky, though. I'm sorry. Hannah is flaky. You cannot tell somebody, follow your heart's desire or whatever, you know, feels right at the moment. Maybe the wrong decision, and that's okay. Whatever whatever garbage she was feeding her, you can't give that to somebody who already is indecisive. Is a justifier. Well, she, not just that, but she just... Her emotions change with whatever meal she has. So it's like she doesn't know what she wants at the end of the day. So you can't, you know, agree with every decision that she makes because they change every five minutes. And with that being said, now do you think for two reasons... Now, I have two reasons why I think he's saying these things. Do you think that there's an underlying issue to why her dad is guiding her the way that he's guiding her, unlike her mom would have pushed her to stay in the program? He probably doesn't really believe that she can write. That's one. Yeah. I think it's... But there's a there's a second one that I think it is. He's paying for her education. Thank you. Most Thank yeah. you. And if she's going to galley lag here in this writing program and she's not going to take it seriously, why right. are you wasting my money? Right. I just wish she would say that. I guess right. <laughs> he's such a vag, though, that that's, he's not going to say it. That's true. We've seen that over the uh, over just, the last. He I'm was sorry, extremely please. emotional, though. I thought there was something going on with him personally. Like maybe he's going a divorce with her, going through a divorce right, right that now. That was weird. I, I thought, thought maybe he's has cancer. Like I thought that there was something that he might have revealed her that he was going through because he was being more emotional than Hannah, and I don't think that it was all geared around her. Academia. I think it had to do with something else that he was holding back and not revealing to her. Because almost, too, when she closed the door, he was, like, going to cry when he didn't get his last goodbye to her. It just was very weird. He was implying we're in a way together. Thing. It was just really weird. 
Yeah, I got the same vibe. The same was, energy. Was I didn't, yeah, I couldn't. No, put my finger I, I think that they've always had a very, um, very dependent relationship, and we saw that. Like Hannah's mom in the very first season wanted to cut her off, and the dad was the one that didn't. Yeah, that's true. And so there's a very it's the daddy's girl thing where he doesn't want to mm-hmm. let go, and he doesn't know how to guide her, and he doesn't know how to say to her, "You're wasting my money. You're wasting your time." So his way of saying, you know what, if you're going to make a stupid decision, this is the time to do it. Yeah. And. That's the only way he knows how to guide her. It's like, you know how to be stupid, so go be stupid. I, mean, I know, but at a certain, I don't know. My dad's from Boston, so I get like, you know, I got the back east talks all the time. I mean, and my mom's very aggressive too. So if I'm doing something stupid, she's calling me out. Yeah, like, I've, I've always been called out. <laughs> yeah, it's a different <laughs> mentality and a different conversation. Of course. Like, from probably what we got to what she's getting. Right. Yeah, you know, she's coddled and not but that's like why she's school flaky hard knocks. And blows like the wind. She needs some tough love right now. Or at least <laughs> some perspective. Get it. Uh, no, of course not. At least some perspective. But yeah. I guess uh, maybe it's going to be this thing with Adam that happened that finally, t- either that or she's going to throw a. Uh, you know, poor me fit. I'm not sure which. Probably that one first, maybe then the second one later, or the former later. Um, but there has to be a point as our protagonist that she steps up to the plate or falls so hard that she has nothing to do but start from square one. But it has to be one or the other. I would like to see her finally get her wits about her. I would love to see Hannah finally take on at least one kind of responsibility and step up to she it. She thinks that she thrives on the streets, so she thinks she is already <laughs> hardcore in doing that. Like, she is a work best on and the street. I'm just sorry. She's getting... She's... I've always had this, like, love-hate relationship with Hannah, but now she's just getting obnoxious <laughs> to me. Well, she's gonna she's gonna learn very quickly because we see that she does make a stupid decision. She gets on a plane whether she makes the decision at that point to leave the program or not or just go to New York for the weekend. She walks into her apartment and finds that her stuff is gone. Oof. And there is another woman in the house. And Mimi Rose. Mimi Rose. It is. Yeah. No, and she's so pretty too. So that must. That's like. It's worse. She's like this beautiful girl who's just like sitting in her apartment with none of her stuff in it. Ah, nightmare. But I don't even <laughs> feel like that. I didn't even feel this threatening. Hey, this beautiful woman in front of me. It was still like Hannah was still oblivious. Oh yeah. When she confronted Adam about it, because she's like, "Oh, is this your roommate?" If a real woman. <laughs> would have been all in his ass and that chick's ass from the jump. Like, kick down the door, threw the girl on the floor, and then <laughs> ask questions later. Like, Spicy there would not the have house. been a, oh, sorry, you his roommate? Uh, like, no. I don't think she wanted to, I don't think she wanted to believe that. I think, Hannah does this a lot. Hannah does this thing where she sees something very obvious in front of her, kind of assesses the situation for a moment, and then comes up with all of the excuses as to why it's That's, not that the nightmare. That yeah. is a very good uh, justification for <laughs> for that. Right for the, yeah, it could be anyone. It could be another sister. It could be somebody that he's working with in a play, a new actress friend. It could be anyone. And she would like to believe that first and foremost before. And then she starts saying like, "My TV's gone. My couch is gone. <laughs> you're hugging me stiffly, and this is weird." Yeah, <laughs> overlooks everything. <laughs> But the real thing, and it's what we predicted. Adam had another chick. When you don't communicate with somebody, when you leave it open to whatever, you know, once again, however the wind blows, and there's no plan in order for your relationship, it's going to end in doom. Yeah, I actually completely misunderstood that 
for the past really? episodes. I thought that when they said they were just going to play it by ear, that their decision was we're going to stay together and we're going to figure out like the communication by ear. I didn't realize that it was that we have no plan. Well, when you don't communicate, you don't have a relationship. Oh, of course, 100%. And they haven't been talking at all. At all, exactly. But I, I was just shocked. That surprised me personally because... You're right, they have not been talking, but when you're in a relationship with someone, even if you haven't talked, you I mean, granted, neither of these people are great at being in a relationship, you'd think at least, not a, not a one-time thing, but if you have another girlfriend, you think you would at some point. You know what it is? They're not talking on the phone. They are doing it, which, ugh, I'm going to vent for two seconds. So, the the Today's day and age of communication if it is happening at all they're doing the shooting a text to one another if that which i cannot stand are they even texting stand. i don't even think they're texting well you know what if they if they are it's like one word here and there maybe once a week if that how are you what's going on yeah, i'm busy i cannot stand that people <laughs> i mean my twitter followers for you sobs that i date in the future i cannot stand it Cannot stand it. Like, what is with this generation of only texting? Has has anyone forgotten how to pick up the freaking phone? It's, I think I have a number of theories on this. Um, it's disgusting. I, I don't like it at all. I'm old-fashioned. No, by the way, me too. I don't. I'm 21, and I don't tolerate well, it. It desensitizes like, you as well. Exactly. <sighs> but the reason I think people do it, or one of the many reasons, is because first of all, you can put a persona on um, a computer or on a phone that you can't. There's something in the way between you two and you can be wittier you can be sexier you can be anything you want to be when you're on the phone because you don't have the reaction time if i say something to you if you're really witty you'll take it you'll morph it you'll throw it back and Mm -hmm. then there's banter you can do that when you have oh you sent me something let me think about how i'm going to be clever let me think how i'm going to be seductive how many wink faces how many ha-has is it acceptable it's its own other language i tried to just pretend like you didn't get it you know (laughs) respond a week later you know it's so obnoxious i i i literally and i i need to stop saying that word too but i look at my text (laughs) message when they come in i'm like do i really want to answer this Mm-hmm. I, so you have that option. And I'm if the person tempted. calls you, you don't have to answer either. I even yeah. think the phone <laughs> is an excuse as opposed to having a real conversation in person because right. a real person who's in a real relationship will want to see you face-to-face mm-hmm. for a breakup. And even the whole texting or over the phone, like, hey, this isn't going to work, I still think that that's a cop-out as well. Oh, Although yes. I do think that it's Agreed. a better form of communication if you can FaceTime yeah. or talk on the telephone. But really, if you are a man or you are a woman, you're going to do that mess in I'm gonna I'm gonna defend technology for a moment when it comes to um, friendships and even relationships where it's a broadening of horizons. Mm -hmm. It extends our possibility. Like I love text message because sometimes I just need to tell someone, "Hey, I'm gonna be there a little late," and I don't necessarily need to call them. It's a wonderful technological tool. Appropriate. That being said. It is not appropriate for for all forms of communication, no. especially for me, relationships. When you're in a relationship, Ugh. it's very much a tactile thing. And as much as it helps to be, like, I don't know, if I don't see, you know, if I don't see a significant other, if I don't see a boyfriend for like two weeks because I'm on vacation, it's nice that I can send a text message going like, hey, this is what's happening with me. I can't talk right now, but like, just letting you know, or like, here's a picture of me. It extends the vocabulary of what you can do, but it isn't a substitute. No. Well, nobody addresses the real problem, and I think that their lack of communication 
But was, their bad communication was also shown in Hannah's communication. Earlier we mentioned that she put these letters in the cubbies. Really, if she was addressing something head on, mm-hmm. she would have, when everybody was sitting at the round table, gave a sincere mm-hmm. in-person apology. But instead of sending a straight mass text message, she writes a mass letter. Yeah. Doesn't change the letter pertaining to each person. Just one letter to everybody. And because, that's the same thing as a text. Because You're to not her, addressing something in person. Because to her, it feels that she's being attacked by everyone as a group, as a whole. And so it was easier for her to cop out and just do it as one. Now, I will say this. As far as communication is concerned, I have to say that Shoshana... And you said that she's like, don't you, doesn't it feel like she's had this conversation or this apology thing with Ah. Ray, like, for the 15th time? Yes. Her communication with Ray, it seems like, yes, this is like the 15th time that she has had some sort of, I need to express how I feel with you. But I like her form of communication with Ray. I get it. She's honest. She's young. She's blunt. But the way that she communicates just sounds very immature in comparison to Ray. And I get it. He, he has a large vocabulary. He exercises it 30s. every chance that he can. But their form of communication where she's saying, but like, I really feel like I still love you. And I can't take it anymore. Please, <laughs> the writers, do something for me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, speech classes, something. But there's no reason that she shouldn't be able to have this one big, large, heartfelt conversation and then be done with that. If you're going to be friends with Ray, be friends with Ray. But every single time you see him, you have to have a heartfelt conversation. She still is holding on to the fact that... And, and she says this, that, that she's the one that messed up the relationship. She yeah. was unkind. She was rude. She, she didn't said appreciate. that last season. She, well, she did, but he's, this is the thing. And when, when you're not, when the other person is not accepting or open to hearing that That's from true. you, yeah. you're like, okay, maybe if I say this another way, maybe he'll be open to hearing it this way. I think it's a matter of kind of jumping off of that. I think it's a matter of closure for her uh, mm-hmm. because as much as she was willing to throw apologies at him, I think it was kind of twofold. One, a let's get back together, and two, I want you to forgive me. And the thing about this one that I liked, and I happen to think that they're actually kind of lovely together. I do. I think they're adorable I together. I think that they're very adorable together, um, and I want them to get back together, but that's me being a sap. <laughs> um, I agree with you. I'm I on do. the same page. I think I'm just annoyed by relationship Because I think that she's a... Uh, she is slowly but surely... I think she's going to make the most progress this season. That's my, I guess, pre-prediction. I hope so. Um, but I think she was genuine about you know that ship has sailed I don't well, think she was genuine at all I don't think she was genuine about the sh- that ship has sailed but I think she was genuine about wanting to reach him and say listen I really truly messed up that being said it has been a number of times now he received it this time I want to see that go somewhere now okay I think uh, he received it the last time they hugged it out at the Diner. I think that he received it when they hugged it out at the movie theater. Like, oh, I, I think that he is receiving it. Ray is not a dumb person. I think he gets it. He sees this person is still in love with me and still has feelings. And I don't think that she is accepting the reality that it's over. I think she's doing what every woman does and is fishing. If I throw this out again, if I say it this way, if I say it's really, really over, that ship has sailed, maybe he'll stop me this time and say, no, I'm still in love with you. Would you take me back? And she still wants to be with him. Yes. She has not accepted her reality. And I think Ray knows that and he's just pacifying her 
by spending time with her, I think he really cares about her still, but I don't yeah. think he wants her anymore like that. The ship has sailed is the mind game where let's play opposite day. Yes. Yeah. Where if I tell you you can't have me, then you will want me. Right. Yeah, especially since she says it like four times. She's like, ship has so sailed. So, so like it's, it's so over. So over. Left the dock. So, so over. <laughs> like, okay, as I exit the room, you will be chasing me, right? I'm looking over my shoulder. You're coming after me, right? Like, she, that's yeah. what she meant by that. And, um, I will say, yes, this last conversation was well-received because when they, after he buys the shirt, which I think is hilarious that he wants to travel to, like, Forest, you know, Forest Hills to go buy cheap T-shirts and cheap underwear, and she drags him to buy the most expensive stuff, and then they both wind up hating in the very end. When they hug it out in the very end, which I think is hilarious that he is losing it over honking. I get it, though. I lose it over the trash guy and like the people talking in between <laughs> the buildings. I'm like, can't you do it in your apartment? You know, it echoes at certain times. You're just like, come on, seriously? Like, have some like common sense about where you're doing things. Uh, living in a city, living you know, in a complex. It's like, like I have one guy like that like turns on his motorcycle underneath the building. I'm like, don't you know it just echoes? But it's it's he loses it over those simple things, and she's what stops him from doing that. And we see that when they get back to that, he's like, I'm not going to yell in front of you. And there's some there's some peace there between them that when they do finally hug, it wasn't like when they hugged at the movie theater or at the actual theater, it was an awkward hug. It was like the pat pat pat. This was a little bit more um, genuine and more mm-hmm. they embraced more. Yep. So. I don't know. It may be working a little better. I mean, I, I, we predicted before that they are going to more than likely get back together. We're rooting for them to get back together. I just am tired of the speeches just exist. Just if it's going to work out, be that person that the other person needs. And I think that we did see a little bit of that at the end. We saw her give him this advice to be more proactive and make change and be the change that he wants to see. We saw that she previously helped his life and him become the man that he is. He gave her the credit for that. So I think that's what they were giving us a little taste of before the end. Like, here she goes again, once again, making him a better person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. <laughs> time, will, time will tell with those two. Speaking of two, um, Marnie and Desi. Oh my God! Yeah, that's so another much. dysfunctional relationship. So we see that he's like paranoid about the relationship between them as they're doing their little um, musical writing session together. And you know, fast forward to the end of the episode, we see where that's coming from. He's obviously picking that up from his. He must be having problems at home with Clementine. And he shows up in the middle of the night, knocking on Marnie's door, hysterically crying and sobbing and breathing heavily, saying that he did it, he finally did it. And he breaks up with with Clementine, and oh, how he finally tells Clementine about him and Marnie, but only to find out that it's because Clementine has had, you know, thoughts of being with another man. Did he break up with Clementine first? Or did Clementine break up with him? Regardless, even if he did break up with her, it was because the opposite was going to happen. Yeah. It was, you know, she was preemptive. moving on first. Exactly. It was not an honest, oh, you know what? I've been a terrible person and I love this other woman and I need to tell the person that I'm with right. like out of respect that it has to be over so I can pursue the, this new person. It was a reaction. Absolutely. And that 
oh my god, how would Marnie accept that? It's just, don't you feel so gross being the second fiddle? Like, the no. person like, Marnie oh, has my no self esteem. Oh, I know, but it was just so obvious. <laughs> oh, it was disgusting. Uh, but she even realized it. At the moment that you realize it and you still exactly. allow him to cry in your bosom, in your she's mouth. She's got issues. He cried in her mouth. He like, cried in her mouth. when they, they were, were making uh, out. Oh, making out. He just <laughs> that's right. Sobbing. He started sobbing. I mean, like, if what? a man cried in my mouth, I'd be like, you need to get out my house. Well, it def- just well go. definitely if it was about, you know, another woman. Another woman. And you yeah. know that the whole breakup is Marnie-induced to begin with. It's because Desi, I mean, like, any woman in her right mind mm-hmm. feels when your man, when your man no, is somewhere elsewhere... And Clementine, we've seen this from the beginning, knew that something was going on. And so, obviously, when you know something's going on, you're going to start to go elsewhere and just say, you know what, I think it's time for me to move on. And so, here we go. Bam. And then all that to hear, I love you, you're my one and only. Sorry. It's it's so... That was just so... It felt like he was saying to... Marnie, what he would be saying to Desi, like it felt. Like, I mean, to Desi, yeah. yeah, to Clementine. It felt like he was thinking of Clementine Projecting. when he was saying that. Yeah, like and crying because he misses her and making love or having sex to Marnie because he wishes it was Clementine. I don't think he, of course, obviously has no desire really for Marnie at all. If you can't respect yourself, no man is going to respect you. So he doesn't want her. He's just doing his rebound effect like every single person who's hurt does. Yeah, it's just so much of a rebound. That's the thing for me is I'm wondering how everyone else is going to react to when she tells them this story because everyone's pretty blunt in this show. That's something that we can you know, I'll oh, yeah. say pretty confidently, she's gonna tell everyone, and I don't think like Jessa's gonna have any problem telling her this is really messed up. Well, I'm excited to say let's get into predictions so we can guess to where all this is gonna go next. And now, you're after Buzz TV. So, let's start with Desi and Marnie. I think that. Marnie is going to end up telling everybody Mm -hmm. um, in a kind of triumph, like, I won, I did it. Yeah. You all were wrong. I'm not the other woman. I'm not the other woman, and I think everyone's going to see right through it, particularly maybe, like I said, Jessa, um, who I just don't see taking that well. I see her calling Marnie out for being an idiot. Um, as their relationship is concerned, it's going to end terribly. I mean, I don't know how yet, but it's going to go back to Clementine. No, like, you know he what? He still I... has feelings for Clementine. He's going to hook up with Clementine, cheat on Marnie with Clementine, and she's going to be devastated. My prediction? What? What? I bet you Desi hooks up with Jessa. Jessa, oh, to, wow. pro- oh, really? to prove a point, for Jessa to be like, you want to know how big of an idiot you are? Watch this. Oh, that actually—I would actually kind of. Love well, we've that been a hoping bit. Jessa was like, going to hook up with someone. Like we thought she was going to hook up with Adam. I don't. And it wasn't her. Jessa wouldn't see. We thought that that would happen, but Jessa and, and Hannah are such, so close that they they would hurt each other in different ways, but not that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Her and Marnie. Her and Marnie. Yes, they would hurt each other that way. So I think that that's that's my prediction. I think that Jessa hooks up with Desi and that'd is like, get interesting. See. He's, you're not he that valuable you. to you. <laughs> next. All right, let's move you on to the next guy. Um, as far as Shoshana and Ray, I think that they're going to get back together. Yeah, I agree with that prediction. Agreed. For sure. I get that. You know, I just see them, you know, it's going to be a slow dance of more apologizing and trips to Neiman Marcus and tacky one-pocketed shirts. Um, now, as far as Hannah and Adam, I see Heartbreak City. Heartbreak City for the two of them. You well, really think it's over between them? Um, it's never over. 
It's never over. I see Hannah going back to Iowa. I see this being the moment that like snaps her out of it and is like, wait a second, what am I doing coming back well, here? Well, she probably thinks she's so. missing so much in New York. She thinks she's missing out on all this fun and creativity that would happen there, only to realize that there's disappointment waiting for her when she gets home. So hopefully yeah. that does push her back to reality mm. to get her freaking education. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I really hope, actually, it kind of snaps her out of it and that she goes right back. Um and I hope to see, I, this isn't necessarily a prediction, this is more of a uh, wishful thinking, I really do hope in these next few episodes we see some progress with her maturity level because of what's going on with Adam. What we saw in the, like, you know, next week on Girls was a lot of, I can't believe he has a girlfriend, I can't believe he has a girlfriend, so I'm sure it's going to take a little while, but in the episode after that, or even the one after that, I hope it kind of... I'd like to see her up. start writing about it. Oh, I would like, I'd to, like see to see a fight. See- I would like to see her. Ronnie wants to see some hair pulling. I would like to see Adam get smacked around because if you ever get another girlfriend while we're still together, we haven't officially broke up, and she's in my apartment, my apartment, not even your apartment, Adam. Like he's house sitting for her <laughs> while she's away at school. Somebody's getting smacked around. I'm sorry. I would love to see that, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> oh well, there we have it for our predictions this week, and um, you know, until next week after buzzers. That's for sure. Um, where can they find you, ladies? So you guys can play with my Twitter or stroke my Instagram at spicy underscore Mari, S-P-I-C-Y underscore M-A-R-I. And I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Autumn Chiklis, A-U-T-U-M-N-C-H-I-K-L-I-S. You can find me at Miriam L. Gonzalez on Twitter and Miriam G1 on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at AfterBuzzTV and on Facebook as well. Also go to AfterBuzzTV.com and follow us on um on iPod, I mean iTunes. <laughs> Download us on iTunes. <laughs> Download us on iTunes. Rate us, comment, make us, um, you know, give us five stars. Uh, you know, we'd love to answer your questions there. And uh, until next week, we will see you with season four, episode five. Girls, next week. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.